The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. And you know, one of the biggest mysteries of life is this thing called love. We have learned so much about how we should love that we don't know much about how we are loved or how we do love. There's so much that we should be thinking, feeling, doing in the name of love that we don't realize how much of it is actually false, fake, and ingenuous. What's really going on behind all those shoulds? Have we yet begun to be certain that we are loved, deeply loved by the divine and the self? Have we come to understand the specific and very individualized ways in which we love? This show is going to put us in touch with love, the real deal, so be here for it. So let's talk a little bit about how the, the idea that love is a political uh, agenda. And by that, I'm not talking about the presidential race or the, even the race for Congress. I'm talking about a political agenda in terms of how we uh, uh, get along with each other, how we live together, how we socialize and, and, and interact with each other, relationally speaking. So uh, we have an agenda about love, and it is that we should love everyone. We grew up with that agenda. Most of us grew up with the agenda that we should love everyone. Um, there are some exceptions to that rule. Certainly, if you grew up in the home of a, of a KKK member, you're obviously not going to be taught to love certain races or, or types of people. But, uh, but, but most, by the, for most of us, we were taught that we should love everyone and that we should be kind to everyone and that we should always be uh, be a- active in our loving in terms of being loving and so children are taught to hug hug aunts and uncles they don't even know and even say they love them um, children are taught to to be uh, to ignore their own intuition about aunts and uncles of gra- relatives of all kinds and and just go and be loving and that is just exactly the opposite in my opinion of what we need to be teaching our children about love uh, for love has its own roots. It is a tree that grows of its own accord, and it is not something that we should put into place with shoulds. Um, and that's the problem with the agenda about love, because it uh, it blinds us to what's really going on inside of us. It blinds us to what uh, is the difference between genuine love and this thing we call love, but really is just sort of a fake interaction between us and other people. Um so, uh, if a child grows up believing that he should hug aunts and uncles and other relatives that he doesn't really even like or know, then what that child is being told is to ignore his own intuition, his own feelings, his own reality, his own truest love. For if we're shooting our love into place, we're actually missing out on what love could, could really do if it was authentic love. So, uh, and, and, and in that same vein, then, 
when we say to ourselves that I should be nice to him or her uh, as adults, then what we're doing is asking ourselves to step over perhaps some of our own bounds about uh, what love really means and, and pretend to be loving when we don't really feel loving. We, pro- we see that as a problem, though. When we don't feel loving, we see that as the problem. Uh, we don't ask ourselves what that's about. We don't try to find out if maybe we're having an intuition or a discernment about that person. We don't, uh, we don't find, figure out that perhaps maybe that person, let's take it in the most extreme case. Let's say that person is a psychopath, and we think that we should be kind and loving to that person. But our gut is telling us something's wrong here, something's wrong here. But we pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Instead, what we do is we go with be nice, be kind, be considerate, because that's the right thing to do. And, of course, we know that some of the best sociopaths in the world, meaning that they're very good at being sociopaths, have tricked people um, based on that very agenda. Those people thought that they should be nice and kind and considerate, even if they had other feelings about the person and those people are sometimes often, quite often dead today. So um, that's an extreme case. Of course, not every situation is like that. But I say that to point out the discrepancy that we can act in ways that aren't really true to who we are. Uh, we, can, we can pretend to be loving and kind when, in fact, we don't feel that way. Um, we also disperse the word kindness. I see it on memes all over the place. Um, Twitter and 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 uh, Instagram and Facebook, all of those, uh, where where people are saying, "Be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind." And while I agree with in principle, um, in the specific, it falls away because we we being kind might sometimes mean ignoring our own feelings about someone. Um, and where kindness would get us in trouble, kindness would let us be used, kindness may let us be abused, kindness may put us in a situation where we're not really being true to who we are. And in the best case scenario, what kindness, fake kindness does is keep us out of touch with our genuine kindness, which could do so much more if it were allowed out of the closet. So uh, when we talk about loving, we've got a lot of agendas and that, and that, and if we're loving people, we think of ourselves as good people. We're, we're being the best we can be when we're loving to other people. And you can stretch that all the way out to I'm here for other people, and and I need to negate myself if you, if you want to. But uh, we're not going to go that far with it today. What we want to do is just really put it out there that uh, there's a lot of preaching, and a lot of teaching, and a lot of lying going on out there about love. Um, love is not something we should do. For the minute you put the word should in front of the word love, it ceases to be love and becomes duty and obligation. Love is comes straight up out of our soul. It's not something that is obligated. Obligation is something our society teaches us we should have because we don't trust that if we just go by what's in our souls, that'll be enough to make us good people. Because for generations upon generations upon generations, maybe even from the beginning of time, we have sort of passed down this maybe conscious, maybe unconscious belief that we're bad at, our, at the core of us, of who we are. Um, I, I, I recognize that archetypal thing inside myself, 
And I think that that's true for a lot of us that, that or most of us, that there's some sense in which we're, we're not really worthy unless we can be loving and kind to other people. And uh, so I've, I've got a book coming out in August of 2017 called Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self. Uh, I think you'll like it. It's going to be out by Llewellyn Publishing. Um, and it does have a whole chapter on this thing about love. So I'm not going to, you know, go over the chapter right now. I want you to, I want you to get the book and read it. I think you'll be glad you did. But, uh, but what I do want to say is that when we, when we stick that word should in front of that word love, it ceases to be love and becomes obligation. And obligation can very commonly be false or fake because we know we should do something and we do it. That's different from actually desiring to do it because our compassion wants us to. Um, and But we don't trust that. So we, we should ourselves into loving. But there's a passage in the Bible, and whether you're a Bible reader or a, a Bhagavad Gita reader or a Quran reader or whatever, this passage about love is quoted very commonly around the world. Uh, it's chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, and it talks about love. And it, it says love is not easily provoked, love is kind, love is, love is, love is, love is. got lots of definitions of what love is. And what we've de- decided to believe is that that book is telling us, that chapter is telling us that this is how we should love. We should always be patient. We should always be kind. We should not be provoked. We should not be easily angered. We should, 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 should. And, and um of course, that's not, I don't believe that's what the chapter is trying to tell us. The chapter also says, if I give my body to be burned and it does not come from love, it means nothing. I give up my whole life and it means nothing? Seriously? Yes, it means nothing because it's not coming from love. It's coming from duty or obligation or some should or some some notion of that if I sacrifice, I'll be finally worthy or something like that. It's not coming from love. And if we make that same gesture with love in our hearts, it means something. My guess is that we wouldn't have to make that same gesture with love in our hearts, but okay. Um, so the, the point is that we get all, all this. I, those two things are in the same chapter. The, all those things that we call this is how we should love are in the same chapter with, with that verse that says, if I give my body to be burned and it does not come from love, it means nothing. So how could we be, be being told that this is how we should love? If in that same chapter we're being told, don't love that way. So essentially I think what the chapter might be saying is something more like this is how the divine loves us. Tirelessly, effortlessly, uh, patiently. Uh, it, it doesn't get angry. It doesn't hold a grudge against us. It's, you know, all of those things um, is how we are loved by the divine. And it's telling us that's the definition of love, which later in, in a, another book of the same text of the, of the New Testament of the Christian Bible, it says that God is love. And that's not the only place that's stated, that, that the divine has love, that oneness is love, that, you know, all of those things are true in the Bhagavad Gita as well as some of the... Uh, Sufi texts and other and the Buddhist texts, so that love is a part of that. But love is genuine; it comes up from the soul. 
shoulds, off tos, and a have tos, and this idea of sacrifice come don't come from the soul. They come from from the outer world, where we believe that this this is how we're going to prove to our to other people and ourselves that we are good people who are doing good things for other for others. Now that's not to say that when we do these things out of shoulds or obligations that we don't have any compassion, but it might be that we're not operating out of the compassion; we're operating out of the out of the should. So I might feel a compassion for you, but instead of just listening to what the compassion would have me do, I start listening to some shoulds and I stumble around trying to get take care of you or fix you or make you better or give you a lecture about how you should do it now or whatever. But that's not very loving. And it, so what it, it essentially is saying is that we, uh, I, I have the compassion, but I'm not operating out of the compassion. I'm operating out of my shoulds. Uh, so what compassion calls us to do is to be with it long enough to hear its message and follow its directive. Whereas duty and obligation say, get busy, take care of this, fix it, you know, prove that you're a good person, prove that you're, you love this person, you know, go ahead and get this done now. Don't stop and listen to yourself. We can't have that. <laughs> our society basically has taught us, and many of us know this, that our that our, we're not to listen to what goes on inside of us. We're supposed to listen to what goes on outside of us. That's where our teachers are. That's where the wisdom is. And we have teachers out there now, even in the New Age, New Thought, and Human Potential movements that are telling us that love is not, uh, if, fear is not the same as love. That if you have fear in your heart, you can't also have love in your heart. And uh, I, I challenge that. I challenge that teaching. Because... I believe that fear, when we have fear, is a form of self-love. It's telling us to watch out, to slow down, to be smart, to pay attention, to look at the details. It's telling us all kinds of things that if we listen to it, 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 it is very wise instruction. Now, we can have, uh, you know, what some people would call an irrational fear. I think all of our emotions are irrational. but uh, And those might be things that have to do with old stuff that we're still projecting out onto the world. But we can we can uh, work through those and find deeper aspects of ourselves. So there, that's also a blessing. So no matter what the fear is, it is a form of self-love. And and so there, there's all these mysterious things out there that people are trying to teach us to solidify love. Love is a mystery. Um, and and we, we want to solidify it and say, okay, this is what love looks like. It looks like servitude. It looks like kindness. It looks like uh, duty. It looks like obligation. It looks like loyalty. It looks like all of those things. And if it's not that, then it must not really be love. And so we get really confused about what that means because we're listening to the outer world instead of listening to the wisdom of our inner worlds that really do inform us of all we need to know about love. Uh, so we get into what's politically correct, and I'm not using that as, as Donald Trump is using it. I'm using it in, in a sense of it, it, it's politically correct for us to look like we're loving even when we're not. And that's my concern is that we might not feel loving, but we're doing it anyway because that's the, supposedly the right thing to do. We ask ourselves so often, what is the right thing to do here when somebody's in trouble, somebody's troubled about something? What's the right thing to do? Well, your heart already knows. But you're asking somebody outside of you when your heart already knows. So we, we need to learn to trust the inner world to give us messages, to, 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 
to be clear with us. And when we learn to walk that inner terrain um, and, and be present with ourselves enough to hear our own messages, that's when we'll be walking the path of the soul. Um, we can't walk the path of the soul by listening to a teacher outside of us unless it is true that what the teacher is teaching is something that we also resonate with, if the soul also resonates with. So uh, it's important for us to, to, to process that information internally rather than just going outside to listen to out the outside world. We don't very commonly know what we're thinking. You know, I've, I, in my practice, I commonly ask people, well, how does that feel or what do you think about that? And very commonly, people will say, I don't know, to the point that I have started making a rule that people are not allowed to say, I don't know. I'm sorry, that's, that's against the rules. And we laugh. And they say, what do you mean it's against the rules? You can't say, I don't know in here. You have to find out something. And, and, they'll, and they'll laugh and they'll say, well, okay, well, let me look a little deeper. And when, when we look a little deeper, we get some answers. So I don't know has become a, a way of just saying, well, you can't know your insides. Most of us think that we can't know our insides. Most of us have a deep-seated belief that to know our insides is, is somehow a little bit crazy and maybe narcissistic and maybe arrogant and maybe just wrong. We're somehow betraying a social order by knowing what we feel and think inside. We have millennialists now constantly telling us, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. But most of us don't know how to do that because we don't know what self is because we've been so busy looking on the outside world to teach us how we should be, how we should live, how what our duties are and obligations are with regard to other people that we haven't stopped to listen to the self, which has all the wisdom we need in it. Uh, I think of it as, as the seed of a large, large tree that if we if we open up to it, it begins to put roots out and bring that tree all the way to the sky. Um, and, and so it's really important for us to, to, to tune in to what that means. And we'll talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you just seem to be stuck in the same pattern over and over? Sometimes life seems to be about just spinning your wheels. It never has to be that way. Listen for Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with host Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Mosaic art is a lot like pieces of our lives. They just need to be put back together, one piece at a time. You deserve to live a happy life. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. 
This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. You know, the all-new season of two-time Emmy award-winning series Super Soul Sunday featuring Oprah Winfrey's inspirational interviews with thoughts, leaders, uh, authors, spiritual teachers, and visionaries started on Sunday, August the 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. It began with an interview with Dr. Shafali Sabari on the 7th, and then on last Sunday there was an interview with Tony Robbins and his wife, Sage Robbins. Great interviews, both of those. You can get those now. Even though you've already missed them, you can get them on OWN TV online. Um, this coming week, uh, on August the 21st, the Humane Society of the United States President and CEO Wayne Purcell is going to be here to uh, inter- be interviewed by Oprah. I'm sure that's going to be a very touching and soul-moving interview. Then the Hol- Hollywood power couple, Devon Franklin and Megan Good, will be on the next August Sunday also at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific. This this kind of interviews are going to go on all the way through October. I'm going to be telling you more about the interviews that are coming up in September as we get closer to the end of the month. But I don't want you to miss Wayne Purcell or Devon Franklin and Megan Good. So tune in next Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network, to see Wayne Purcell. So today we're talking about love. What is love and what are the politics of love and how are they different? Well, what we've said thus far is that the politics of love are fake and real love is real. And how do we know the difference? Well, one of the ways to to know the difference is to find out how we love. What is my specific individual way of loving? Um, And that's an inside job. And, and I really encourage people to, to explore that because it really does teach us when we're loving and when we're faking. Um, and, and I'm calling it faking so we can really see clearly that when we do duty, obligation, loyalty, uh, uh, all those words that tell us how we ought to behave, uh, then what we're doing is we're in the name of love, we're operating, but, but we're not really sincerely loving. And here's the thing, we know the difference, we get exhausted when we fill our lives up with obligations and duties and have-tos and ought-tos and shoulds, but not only that, but the other people receive our duty as duty. They somehow know that we're doing it because we have to, and sometimes people will use that. Oh, well, they feel like they have to, so I'll just make them believe they have to so that they will. Um. And sometimes that can be really manipulative on both sides. But um, 
On the other hand, when you give someone a gift, a true gift with no strings attached, which is the kind of gift that compassion gives, then people know that too. They feel really blessed and really loved because you've given them a real gift. And, uh, and th- there's just a ge- de- genuine difference between how that's received. So we need to know that, that, that we're, we're, when we're doing things that are out of that duty and obligation, which are fake, people feel it as fake. And when we do it out of genuine love, people feel it as a real gift. Um, so that's, that's important for us to know. But the other thing is, how do you love? What is your special way of loving This just comes from you as an individual? How do we know that? Well, we, you know, we wait until we feel a loving feeling, really genuinely loving feeling like compassion or passion. And we, we, we allow it to guide us. And then we go, oh, well, that's how I love. That's how I love. I love that way. I love uh, to work with uh, 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 you know, the certain kind of people. A certain, maybe, I li- maybe as a therapist, I love to work with adults, let's just say. And I don't, my love is more uh, able to give itself to adults. That doesn't mean I don't love children and teenagers. It just means that my love, the gift that I have to give, is more for adults. I might enjoy teenagers and children, but I love to work with adults. And so it, it's that kind of thing. So somebody knocks on your door, a volunteer organization of some sort knocks on your door, and you feel guilty and you feel like that you should give them some money. Five minutes later, another organization knocks on your door that you don't feel guilty about. You feel this deep compassion for the services they offer, and you really want to give them some money. But now you've already given it all away to this other organization that you didn't really feel that much about, but you felt guilty, so you thought you should. And that's what I'm talking about, beginning to understand the difference between when we do something because we really love it, a real, have a real compassion or passion for it, and when we do something because we think we ought to or should or have to. Many people operate in their families out of these shoulds, have tos, and ought tos. They, they uh, do all kinds of chores and errands and, and phone calls and connections with other people in the family because they should. I've heard people say, well, let me call my mother and get this over with. you know. And what they're really saying is, I don't really want to do this right now, but I have to because that's what my mother expects or because that's the nice thing to do or because, because, some other reasons, because, because, because. Um, but really, they're not feeling it. And people would say, well, if you did that, you'd never call your mother. Well, if, you, if that's how it really is between you and your mother, then you don't have a relationship anyway. If you call your mother because you have to, and that's the only way you think you'll ever call your mother, you, you don't have a relationship anyway. And now, you can build a relationship if you operate out of your heart and try to go and get to know your mother and, and try to you know, find out who she really is because that's how we get to know how that's how we open the doors of connectivity between ourselves and other people is we get to know them when you know if that's that's why in that episode last week I talked about hate and you know the reason we we hate is because we don't know who it is that we're hating at least on a collective level not necessarily on a personal level but on a, a collective level so we 
we don't get to know a whole race of people or even some people in that race. And so we can just project all our hate onto them. It's the same way on, in reverse. If we, if, we, uh, if we don't get to know somebody, then we're not going to probably have that kind of compassion or passion for them. So we can open up the doors to a deeper relationship with other people in our families um, if we want to. And in some cases, we don't want to open the doors to family members because they're toxic for us. And in that case, then staying away from them is the best thing to do. Um, That doesn't mean that you should then try to fake it and try to have a fake relationship with them because that just keeps you getting the toxicity on you. Uh, but if you if you're going to be genuine, then if it's toxic, it's toxic. Act like it's toxic because that's what it is. That gives appropriate feedback to the other person, and gives them an opportunity to grow, and it gives you the safety and boundaries you need to take care of yourself and nurture yourself. If it's not toxic, but you're just operating out of shoulds, then there's something missing in that relationship. And if you have a real relationship with somebody, you're going to know it because you're going to want to connect with them, and that is real connection and only that is real connection I hear people talk about all the time about how close they are to their parents or their family or their siblings or something like that but when I ask them to tell me something about these people they don't know much about them and I'm trying to think to myself well, how, how can you really be close to them if you don't know much about them and the reason is because they're operating out of shoulds and have tos and ought tos we have this fake agreement that we've made under the table with each other to pretend that we really like each other when we really just sort of tolerate each other and and we hang out together because that's what we should do because that's what families do but really not so much it's not really there and so you know that's that's not genuine love i mean you can keep doing it if you want but uh it's not genuine love and we just need to know that it's not genuine love if we're going to be conscious people uh, conscious people operate out of the truth, and the truth is the truth. It doesn't change itself just to fit into some agenda we have for it. Uh, one of the things that it says in First Corinthians is that love rejoices in the truth. And that's one of the things that we don't do when we're operating out of shoulds and thinking that we're telling the truth when, in fact, we're not. We're not rejoicing in truth. We're rejoicing in a lie. So when we, when we are going to be authentic people, We'll operate out of that deeper soul connection. And if we want to build something else besides what we have, then we go build it. We go try to build it with that other person. There's lots of ways we can increase the connectivity between ourselves and other people by getting to know them, by telling them about how we feel about uh, our lives, about how they've impacted us. There's lots of ways to open those doors. Uh, but it won't be through shoulds, ought tos, obligations, have tos, loyalties. That Those are not going to get us there. Um, so what is closeness really? Closeness is a really soul connection with another human being. That means you, you know them well and they know you well and that you're able to tell them what really goes on at the deepest levels of your psyche and they're able to do the same with you and you, there's a supportive interaction there between the two of you. Um, and uh, so that, that's a real connection. When we have those, we know how different it is from the rather other connections in our lives. Uh, it's very different. So you may have a group of friends that you hang out with occasionally. That you, you know, uh, a lot of th- one in the, in the South. One of the things that happens is we formulate supper clubs, and and uh, we we 
go out to eat once a month or once every two weeks or something like that, or we go to somebody's house and we have supper at their house, and then the next time it's somebody else's time to bring supper or serve supper, or maybe there's potluck dinners that we so everybody brings a dish. But whatever the case, there's a get together over a, a period of time, and you know people go to these things, and sometimes they're really close to these people, and sometimes it's all fake. It's all people getting together to have conversations about meaningless things and just to have a, a sense of, 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 of we got together. We did the thing we were supposed to do. We, we acted like friends when really there's not a real connection there. Now, we can bump those connections up again if we want to. We can make them more real by having more real conversations with people and being more honest and more open with people about what's really going on in our lives. And to find out if it can be a bigger, deeper relationship. But uh, on, on, just on the surface, it's maybe some acquaintances that are getting together. We may call them our best buddies, but they're really just acquaintances because we don't really know each other. Uh, and we aren't really connected. And there may be some shooting and, and ought-toing and have-toing that's going on in the name of going to these, these, these uh, dinners. But actually... Maybe half the people don't even really want to be there. Now, I'm not describing every supper club, of course. There's lots of supper clubs where people are really genuinely very close to each other. But there are some where it's not that way. So in terms of really getting together with people, uh, the connections that are the most meaningful are the ones that we want to connect to. And that desire is very important. Now, we've been taught... The desire is not important, that it should go on the back burner, that it's, it makes us selfish to think about what we want. But actually, desire is one of our deepest connections to the soul because it individualizes us. Uh, we desire different things, and this is, this is the taproot to the soul. And I think it's really interesting that in the Hebrew text, um, the word for desire is the baseline, the root word for the name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah. Um, so I think that's very interesting that um, that it it peels down to to desire, um, and what that says to me is how sacred desire actually is. So when we're living from desire, which is our deepest taproot soul connection, and I'm not talking about you know I want another beer because I'm an alcoholic. That's a compulsion. That's not a desire. Um, I am talking about those deep longings that the soul has for certain things like peace of mind or connection to other people or uh, a belief in themselves or uh, 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 to fulfill some dream. Those are, those are really deep soulful desires and those things are very, very important to us as individuals. We all know how important they are when we feel a sense of longing for something, so we, we we feel that urgent need that we just really want this thing to happen, but we also discount it very commonly because we we say that it's uh, it, it, you know that's just selfish desire, you know that's just what I want, you know maybe the, maybe it's not good for the universe or maybe it's not uh, maybe I don't really deserve it or maybe I haven't earned it yet or maybe 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 we talk ourselves out of really honoring that desire and, and making it putting it on the altar, so to speak, so that we, we, we give it to the divine for the divine to fulfill for us. Um, I, I have my own issues with that, and I think a lot of us do, that, that uh, it's difficult for us to sometimes believe 
that we are loved to the degree that we could actually have what we desire. Um, and, and that's partly because, at least, at least in part, because we've been taught that our desires are selfish, that they make us selfish people, that they're to be discounted and put on the back burner because we need to be serving other people and that's what needs to be first. And you see it all the time on these memes on, on social media that we're supposed to be putting other people before us in some kind of way, that being loving to other people is our primary political agenda, which is the name of our show today, that we are, or the, uh, the topic of our show today, that we are being told how, who, when, where, how much, how long to love. And when we're being told, it isn't coming from something in our soul. It's coming from the outer world. So again, um, looking at the ways that we love specifically um, will help us get in touch with our deeper desires and help us really give from that, give from desire rather than giving from have to. And as I said, it's a it, it's told. The other person can, can feel it when we give from desire and when we give from, from have to. Uh, but the other thing is we can feel it. We can feel this sense that of, of stress, of urgency, of, you know, an argument between one part of ourselves and the other part of ourselves where one part of us doesn't want to do it and the other part's telling us we have to. Um, that kind of inner conflict creates stress and stress builds over time. And if we do that a whole lot, then we're building a lot of stress into our lives, which, as we all know, creates stress-related diseases. So this is not a healthy way to love. In fact, it isn't loving at all. It isn't loving to the self. It isn't loving to others. It's fake. Um, so so uh, coming to terms with your kind of love, the kind of love you give, is what I would encourage as almost a homework assignment. I'd say, you know, go out there and figure out how you love What's different about the way you love from the way other people love? That's your special way of loving. That's just all about you and what you love to do for other people. That's a real important thing to come to understand. And we're going to be talking more about the political agenda of love right after the break, so stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Did you know that how you are feeling makes perfect sense when you look at it through the eyes of an energy healer? Join Ariel Hardy for Energetically Speaking, a show that will help you to understand what your energy field looks like and how to maintain its balance. With over 20 years of experience as an energy healer, Ariel now shares her secrets of how she stays connected to heaven and earth through challenging times. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
It's important to know as energetic beings how to feel grounded and healthy. We strive to help teach about the energetics within you and the world around you. Listen for Three Petals Healing with host Lauren Dillon Merrill. Through her experience and that of her guests, Lauren will bring you the support, encouragement, and knowledge to discover this every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back talking today about the politics of love. What we've said so far is that all the shoulds and have tos and obligations that we call love are fake. And all the, the only way to have real genuine love is to go within and find that deep desire to give to other people from, from something deep inside of ourselves that I call compassion. You probably do too. Um, but I want to talk, spend a little time talking about the politics of romantic love now because that's a little a piece that we get real confused as well. Because we have all these shoulds, ought tos, and have tos about what should happen when a person falls in love with someone else and, and what that means. Um, so it's supposed to mean that you get married and that you live happily ever after and that um, you have 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and that's and it's only supposed to happen in some uh, uh, political regions of the world. It's only supposed to happen between a man and a woman. Um but what we're discovering, because uh, we are invi- have begun to explore the possibility that it's possible for people of the same sex to love each other, uh, for people to change genders and love people of the same sex or other sex or other gender, uh, and um, we're, we're discovering all kinds of new things about what love means. It started back in the 1960s uh, in its biggest form when when free love was the big deal um, and then people began to live together instead of getting married and um, people began well, to do that more commonly um, or do it more overtly uh, and and it was it was thought to be a time of great change and I think it was a time of great change where we began to explore new options with regard to romantic love and what it means and what it doesn't mean but there's still a lot of shoulds. Not only should we get married, but there's also the 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 idea that um, there are certain things you should do in a relationship if you love each other. I've heard people say, "We're well, we're one." You know, now that we're we're we love each other, we're we're one. We're no longer two. We're just one. And they feel that they should do everything together, joined at the hip. And there's not much freedom of movement there. There's not much uh, room for individuality there. There's not much room for each person to be a separate entity who happens to be walking down the same path. A lot of that, uh, in my opinion, is built out of fear. 
It's fear of abandonment or fear of loss, something like that, that says, uh, you can't be very far away from me because then I won't be sure that you really love me. And uh, so, so there's that should that we put into marriage. And we say that if you, if you stay close to me all the time, then you love me. If you back off and to fi- find your own individuality a little bit, then you've stopped loving me. And that's a false definition of love. Um, we have uh, definitions of love that have to do with possessiveness. If you love me, then you will let me control your every move. Uh, you and when you leave the house, I'll call your cell phone and blow it up several times a day. Um, when you uh, when you are out at a uh, meeting with other people, and I'm with you, I'm going to be constantly watching you to see if you're flirting with someone else. Uh, when you um, I want you to not have so many friends because that might threat that threatens me as well. I want you to not be close to your family because that threatens me as well. I want you to sort of uh, back away from all of those other people and be only mine. And very commonly, these relationships will end up in abuse because um, the control, the controller realizes that he or she cannot really actually control the other person and thinks that by hitting them or hurting them in some kind of way that they'll stay and, and be more submissive. So uh, that obviously is not love, but uh, the person who is the controller does believe that if you love me, then you will let me control you. And of course, that's not love. It's fake as well, but it is politically correct to the person who is the controller, is, is, the, is the agenda, and it's the right thing, and it's the what should happen. Um, and so that the controller is actually... Uh, very wrong about that, but uh, it, the really good relationships have a lot of air breathed in them. There's a lot of freedom of movement. There's a lot of trust that you you really do want to be my partner. You're not just do, being my partner because you think you have to, or because I make you. You're just you're just here because you you love me and you want to be with me. Um, uh, we often get. Uh, um, uh, the idea of service mixed up with love. If I if I love you, then I will somehow take care of you. Um, that idea is when two people love each other, they take care of each other. And what that on 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 the surface, there's nothing wrong with that. But when when we get down to sort of a d- distorted version of it, what it looks like is you're supposed to uh, fix me. You're supposed to make me happy. You're supposed to make my life all better. Whatever was wrong with me in the first place, you were supposed to have made right. And you haven't done that, so you're, you don't really love me. Um, and that, that thing gets real confused with love. Uh, and so we, we're waiting around for our partners to love us enough to fix us. Um, that isn't love. That's, uh, that's a false, fake, ingenuous definition of love. Uh, In a a more healthy dynamic, what would be happening is that each person would be responsible for his or her own stuff, psychological stuff, or, you know, any other issues that are going on in their lives. And and they would share those things. They would share the information about those things and would care about each other 
but neither party would feel like they, they have to carry the other party and fix the other party and make it all better for the other party. The making it all better, if it is to be made better, will be done by the party to whom the problem belongs. Um, so uh, looking at that is a distorted version of love as well. We, we see that there's other ways to love that are, come from the soul, that are richly inviting, that are healthy, that are feeding of the dynamic rather than sucking it dry, and, uh, and, and, and truly give that dynamic um, an energy to continue to grow on its own. Um, we also very commonly get sort of this idea of mothering or fathering mixed up. We, we have issues with par- parents of some sort. It doesn't matter which gender of parent we're talking about, but some issue with some parent. And we project that onto our partners and we uh, w- try to work out old, ish, inf- old stuff about our parents with the partner. And course that very commonly doesn't work because either the partner is very much like the parents and and is not likely to be any different than the parents were or uh, they're not like the parents at all and they're trying to figure out what in the world you're doing when you when you're treating them like the like you're their like they're you're their parents so um, that's also gets mixed up with love well you know my parents should have loved me so you're I should get you to be like them so that I can get you to love me like they should have done. It's a real confusing and convoluted, mixed-up way of loving, and it can get real distorted. Um, so that gets mixed up with love uh, very commonly. And and uh, and the biggest thing is mind reading. One of the things that we think love means is if you love me, you'll read my mind. I hear people say it almost daily in my office um, when they come in for couples therapy or they come in for individual and they're talking about a relationship issue. They very commonly will say, well, I shouldn't have to tell him. He should just know. I shouldn't have to tell her. She should just know. And, you know, that idea is based in uh, what I call womb thinking, womb, W-O-M-B. So we're, uh, we're back in the womb where everything is supplied for us. We don't have to talk. We don't have to walk. We don't have to do anything. It's just supplied for us. And and uh, there's a part of us that, most of us, that want to go back to the womb to some degree or another. And we'd love it if everything was just supplied for us instantly and we didn't have to do anything to get it. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. But very commonly, the definition of love is, if you love me, you will read my mind. And, of course, that's completely false, and it's based in magical thinking of a child. It has nothing to do with an adult loving. It isn't mature. It isn't true. It's fake. It's ingenuous. And it isn't love. So uh, when, we, when we, we say, if you love me, you will, we're very commonly setting ourselves up with something that's probably pretty false. Um, the idea of, of mind reading, I've heard people say, well, you know, I want her to do so-and-so, or I want him to do so-and-so. And when they don't do it, they complain frequently. Um, you know, why won't they do that? Why, well, have you ever asked them to do that? Well, no. Uh, well, how are they going to know to do it then? Well, they should just know. <laughs> and we resent having to ask because we think that having to ask means they don't really love us. 
Um, and so we have that big should there that says this is the way it is. This is this is the should about about living in life that uh, it, that I'm going to live into. And uh, of course, that doesn't help our connection. It doesn't help us grow. And if we start to ask for what we want, very commonly, I see people start to get what it is that they want. And then they're happier in the relationship, and they're wondering, why didn't I ever ask before? Um, but it's somehow, well, along the way, they got taught that if you love me, you will read my mind. Um, some of the other ways that we uh, that we trick ourselves about love in general now, not so much in romance, but in general, is we tend to think that if I'm if I see you for who you actually are, that's not very loving. Now, that's a strange one because love really is all about intimacy. It is really all about really knowing somebody just the way they are, dark and light, shadow and sun, you know, all of it. Uh, and But we tend to believe that if I really do see you for what you are, I'm being judgmental. Therefore, I'm not being very loving. Therefore, I'm, you know, that's a bad thing. Um, but if we use our knowledge about people that we get through intuition or discernment or observation or um, just really listening to them or whatever, however we get that information, that's information and we don't need to discount it. So uh, as Oprah uh, said, my Angelou said it I think first, but um, Oprah says it quite a bit, if, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. So when we get shown who a person is, that's them showing us who they are. And if they're trying to hide who they are, but we figure it out anyway, that's us figuring out who they are. And that's the truth that love rejoices in. So uh, love says, I see you for who you are, and I get to decide whether or not I'm going to spend time with you. Uh, it is a loving gift to someone to say, I'm not going to spend time for you, with you because our dynamic is toxic. And I'm not going to spend time with you for that reason. Now, that doesn't mean we have to say it literally. Sometimes we can just act it and, and just find a way to get away from that person. Sometimes we'll say it, but other times no. But, but the idea is that we get to decide because guess what? Love is also self-love. And that's really important for us to understand that when we love ourselves, we then are capacitated with new knowledge about how to love others. If we really love others from that deepest core, we're also loving the self because it comes from self-love generates other love. And other love can, if it's genuine love, generate self-love. So those two work together in an orchestral movement that is basically nothing short of profound. And it isn't either or. It isn't I love you or I love me like so many of us think it is. It's both and. It's I love you and I love me. And both, I love both equally. I don't have to love you more than me because that makes me a good person. I can just love, love both of us. Um, so that's a, an important piece about love that I didn't want to leave out as well. So, so what we've decided today is that there's two thing, two ways of loving. One is fake, and the other is real. Which way do you want to love? And that's what we have for today. Remember, we'll be back next week, and remember your job should you choose to accept it is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.